You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, we have a we have a win streak going here. Two games against two really good opponents. I, it, it's been fun to watch the Broncos. Yeah, it has, and man, it feels good to be winning again. And something that I haven't really heard anybody talk about is that the Broncos actually have a chance to keep that streak alive of not having back-to-back losing seasons. So knock on wood, but they, they have that chance to keep that streak. I think it's been since like the seventies that that's been going around the longest in American professional sports. So that's exciting. So yeah, looking forward to keep covering them and the schedule gets a lot easier and man, two good teams and two good Bronco wins. I saw something. I think the Broncos have the fifth easiest remaining schedule. So there you go. I mean, well, you have to win the game. It feels like, you know, I, I would love to be playing the Jets right now, but how did that go? So <laughs> that's true. We'll see. They got to show up. It, that is true. Yeah. They, they've led a few of their easier games that they should have won that they were, I don't know, favored to win. And yeah, they didn't show up. So, and this is that dreaded noon start time, our time. If you're, if you're living in Denver, of course, it's that 11 a.m. start time. So it's always that kind of eerie feeling of, is this one of those letdown games after two really emotionally driven hard games? I, I hope not, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're, we're here to, to bring the, the truth to you and, and try to keep it as objective as we can, even though we are Bronco fans and love to cheer them on, but it's, it, there's still a lot of football left to be played. That's for sure. Yeah. And we will see if they can keep it up, but you know, one game below 500. And if the Broncos went out, they got a real chance to make the playoffs. And like you said, the schedule is not that bad, but first they got to head to the Eastern time zone, something that the Broncos historically have really struggled with, you know, win games in the Eastern time zone and come away with a victory on the road. So we'll see Vance Joseph actually just last week against the chargers was Vance Joseph's first career win on a non Thursday night game on the road. So got to keep it up. Got to get that. Got to win three in a row. So it'll be, it'll be difficult, but I, I mean, we're here for it. We'll see what happens. They're, they're trending in the right direction. That they are. Well, the building the Broncos podcast is focused on all things pertain to your Denver Broncos as it relates to the NFL draft. And of course, team building with Dick and myself being armchair GMs, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode from scouting the enemy player value scheme and personnel fits. And of course, a little general football related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure you check out ours and our co-writers written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of 24-7 Sports and affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know your listeners are as football draft and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go and take the time and go to iTunes or Spreaker and and rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy our show. Now, before we get going, we first want to say thank you to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. 
this uh, I, I will say this about the Broncos. They are not good for my heart. Other than the, of course, the Arizona game, that was kind of fun just to have it pretty much be over by halftime. But otherwise, it's been all these close games come down to the wire, either heartbreak or or complete and sheer bliss, I guess is the, the word I would use there. But looking at this game, it's hard to see. There was a lot of good and there was a lot of bad that went into this one. And that's going to happen when you have a dog fight like the Broncos had. But how about we start with our, our stock report for this week? And let's look at who are some of your players that really their stock is up after this past game. Well, for me, it's the it's got to be number one, the proud papa, Shelby Harris. Man, he had a great game for the Broncos. It was the most disruptive I remember him being all season and in a game where the Broncos edge rushers really could not get anything going. I mean, you, Bradley Chubb, we're talking about that rookie sack record. Man, I, I didn't even really recognize him out there. Granted, I, on the rewatch, you know, you do you focus in but in the game itself on the flow of the game i didn't really notice him but shelby yeah. harris making plays shooting in the backfield i mean he almost had a spectacular play on that unfortunate 97 oh, yard touchdown man. that should have been a safety oh man he was superman in that one and he made up for it on the other uh the other end zone later in the game had that pick but man shelby harris had a great game and i know bronco fans love damata Pecco. you know he's a great guy very personable and i just wish i could hang around with him all the time i would live in his hair or something you know, just playing in the ukulele. He seems like a great guy, but Shelby Harris set to be restricted free agent. And uh, with the way the NFL is going, I'd be intrigued to see if the Broncos could maybe start transitioning and getting Shelby Harris on the field more, even in base packages and playing him even more at nose tackle, because I know he's not a classic nose tackle eats up blocks type, but this game, the game's changing. You got to be able to get in the backfield, disrupt, create pass rush pressure. And I'd love that. And I saw that more and more of this game from Shelby Harris than I'd seen in a while. Next yeah. guy I have, yeah, he just great game. He was MVP number one for me. The number two for me, Matt Lacoste. I have been definitely critical of the Broncos tight ends this season. Yeah, I was came in decently excited about Jake Budd. Well, that was ripped away pretty quickly, unfortunately, for more unfortunately for him, but unfortunately for Broncos country. And then now Jeff Hirons, who's having a career year, is done for the year. But Matt Lacoste had a good game. He's still just a just a dreadful blocker. We'll be we'll be honest with that. <laughs> yeah, he just really does not have the the sand in the pants right now, and he doesn't do a great job of when he does engage. He doesn't sustain blocks very well. I mean, just case in point, that end around where he just abs- got absolutely destroyed against the Chiefs when uh, Sanders got tackled in the backfield. Matt Lacoste is not a great blocker, and the Broncos are really going to miss Jeff Hireman there. But as a receiver, he looks pretty fluid. He looks athletic. He had some yak ability. I mean, first career touchdown, made a couple big plays. Also had that one where he advanced Joseph might have challenged it he didn't end up doing so but he might have been in but Matt Lacoste is gonna have to take over so stock up not only because Hireman's out but I thought he had I mean not only think that he had he did have the best game of his career so stock pointing up and maybe he can end up being a tight end two for the Broncos I don't think he's ever really going to be a great tight end one but I think he's got some he's got some play going forward and then finally Jared Veldier he had a very good game I mean all this talk about the Steelers being one of the best pass rushing teams in the NFL the Interior pass rush for the Steelers did pretty good. I mean, you had Javon Hargrave, who I talked about last week as being a guy whose arrow is pointing way up, and he was very disruptive. And then also Casey Hayward had a good game. But the edge rushers for the Steelers, specifically TJ Watt and Bud Dupree, I mean, where were they? They really didn't do much of anything. And I got to give a shout out to Jared Veldier. Since he's come back, it really feels like the offensive line as a whole has solidified. 
And it's been just such a black hole for the Broncos, not only on the offensive line, but the entire team for years. I mean, going back to when freaking Paul Kornick was playing right tackle, my God, my God. So Jared Valdir, even though he's not a great right tackle and there's nothing really outstanding about him. Other, I mean, he's six, eight, I guess that's pretty outstanding, but he's not, you know, an amazing pass blocker. He's not an amazing run blocker, but he just really rounds out this offensive line, solidifies it. And when him and Bulls, you, you don't really have to worry about that right tackle spot. I think it just makes a world of difference for this offensive line. So Shelby Harris, Matt Lacoste and Gerald Veld here stock all the way up. I like it. That That's a good list. And it's, it's definitely, like you said, Matt Lacoste, especially he's going to be such a pivotal piece of whether this team is a playoff team or going home early, because I mean, we've seen, especially the last few weeks, tight ends have been a huge part of the offense. And so losing Hireman, that could be a bigger blow than Bronco fans really want to admit because he really was having some breakout games and making some great plays. And, and yeah, Matt McLacoste, he has some ability in the, in the past game. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, they use their no name tight ends that I'm sure anybody outside of Bronco Broncos country has probably never even heard of. Hey, Tameric Hemingway. I think he was a really good writer back in the day. (laughs) There you go. Maybe he can write the, uh, the story of the season. There you go. That would, I'll take it. Maybe it gets a big touchdown. <laughs> All right. Well, my list, I had a little bit of trouble on, on narrowing this down just because there was a lot of guys that made huge plays at different moments. I mean, the fact that none of us, neither of us picked Will Parks after oh, his incredible hit and pretty much saved that game. He had the play of the game. Yeah. And he's been playing pretty good all season. I think on the defense, Will Parks is filling in for what we'd hoped Cravens would do. And Todd Davis, we've been talking about being underrated on here. But Parks is also another guy who's playing pretty, pretty darn well. And the Broncos are pretty, honestly, on defense, outside of edge rusher right now, which is going to be different. But going forward, that strong safety position is pretty good. I mean, that sucks because this draft is full of strong safety instead of free safeties. But, I mean, you got obviously you got Cravens, who's going to be here. You got Parks, you got Simmons, and you got Jamal Carter. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. So nice I'm sorry nice. to interrupt. I just was no, you're about good. The safety. <laughs> but again, I just was a little bit shocked that neither of us had him on our list. But it's just again, other guys who stepped up made some huge things happen. Chris Harris, his interception. I mean that that game almost was getting ready to get out of hand. You, you think about that 97 yard touchdown pass. That I, I texted somebody. I said game over because that just takes the the wind out of your sails as a team. I mean, just to give up something like that, you got them pinned back. You're thinking, Oh man, here we go. Maybe we can have something big happen. And, and, and you almost did almost. Yeah. And then it turns complete disaster. And then Chris Harris, he turns it around for the Broncos and yeah. just really brought a spark back for this team. And I thought he did a pretty good job in coverage all game, considering who he's having to line up against. And I, I just, I was, I was very, very impressed with Chris Harris in this one, but I want to give it to to Case Keenum. I thought he had a very efficient game. I thought he challenged the the Steelers when he had to. I thought he did well moving around the pocket for the most part. I, I just that was definitely Keenum's best game as a Bronco so far. And it just seems like he's getting so much more comfortable with the offense. It seems like, and this is another guy on my list, Bill Musgrave. I think the two of them, the the big turnaround, and, and the offense isn't something that it's outstanding or anything like that, but it's efficient, and it's not turning the football over. They, they understand each other more now. They understand, get Keenum out of the pocket. Uh, look for those, those tight ends over the middle a little bit more. They're just doing some things that they weren't doing before. They're mixing up their formations to keep defenses a little bit more honest. Uh, there's just 
I, I have. I've been very impressed with Bill Musgrave and his play calling, especially compared to early in the season. And then Philip Lindsay. I mean, how can we not have this guy on the list? He is the offense. I mean, yeah. it's not only that he's a spark. He is the consistent playmaker that's just turning two, three-yard runs into 20, 30-yard runs. I saw something that he has registered the fastest run of any running back in the NFL this season. Wow. And that was his past game on his, got, his big run. His ability, I saw, I don't know if you saw Brian Baldinger's post, but it's something that I want to reiterate because he does the breaking down film with Baldinger on Twitter. But Philip Lindsay's speed to the outside. I mean, you, you think these edge guys, they have contain in that D gap, and then he cuts the corner and I, I, another 10, 15 yards. So he's he does have incredible speed. He's not yeah. Tyreek Hill speed, but I mean, give him like a 97, 98 speed on Madden <laughs> because that, that guy's got wheels. Yeah. It's once he plants his foot and goes, he is through that hole so fast. I mean, I, I laugh. I saw some stat the other day. It was for yards after contact. Well, Philip Lindsay, a lot of times isn't getting contacted until 20, 30 yards down the field. Yeah. Because he's just so fast. The linebackers can't get to their spot. So Broncos are so fortunate that they have this kid. Thanksgiving, man. Number one. <laughs> exactly. Undrafted free agent Philip Lindsay. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't believe teams missed on this guy. I mean, I, I didn't expect him. And I don't think we had him all that high. I mean, so I can't sit here and say, hey, NFL teams, you are terrible. Because I didn't have a first-round grade on him. You didn't have a first-round grade on him. I had late day three. He was small, and he did not look this fast at Colorado. Granted, Colorado's yeah. offensive line is not good. Sorry, Buffs fans. You know, it's just, you got Chenault. He's fun. But anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. But it, it just... I don't think anybody quite saw that he would be this in the NFL. And so Broncos very, very fortunate. And if they can maybe get one more playmaker for this offense, you and I were talking about this earlier this week. If they can get maybe another wide receiver that just brings a lot of spark, this offense could really be tough to defend. But that's, that's for another day because we're not talking draft yet. Who would have thought when we were three and six, you and I were already kind of going, man, I think we're going to start talking about the draft pretty soon. And here we are couple weeks later going man maybe they might make the playoffs so that's that's the nfl everything can turn in just a couple weeks yeah i mean could be 500 here you know at this time next week so we will see but now getting on to stock down uh number one for me i normally like to do two guys stock down after a loss but number one and number two are related and they both kind of blew it on the the big 97 yard touchdown but bradley roby and darian stewart bradley roby had some good plays in this game but my gosh can this guy put together a consistent game I know that he's, he had a couple good pass breakups and that forced fumble where, you know, the dumb and dumber quote where just when I thought you were, you know, the worst, you go around and totally redeem yourself. And that was a big play. And yep. Bradley Roby is pretty good at forcing fumbles on Pittsburgh running backs. He also was the guy that did that to uh, Toussaint in the playoffs, if you recall. But, man, just inconsistent. So, sock down for me again. The Broncos really need him to, to step up. And he's playing for a contract, so somebody's going to pay him big money, but I can't imagine paying him cornerback one money. I don't even know if I want to pay him cornerback two money, to be honest. He's still young. He'll get it. But yeah, he's stocked down for me just because I'm hoping for more consistency and they need him there. And the Broncos got the pass rush to do it. And he's just still giving up plays. He's just not consistent. Uh, And then the other guy I mentioned, Darian Stewart. I don't think there's any player on this Broncos defense that has regressed since 2015 as much as Stewart. He just looks incredibly slow out there. I mean, that play where he, he was the cover one safety he just doesn't have that speed anymore. And then to get stiff armed and as Juju Smith Schuster goes to the end zone, not good. He did recover that fumble that Bradley Roby caused, but still, I mean, he's out there and he looks just 
just really not good. He just looks like a shell of himself. I've heard from some people connected to the team that Darian Stewart's considering retiring at the end of the season. So he's a guy that's definitely on, on his last leg and he looks like it too. He's just does not look great. And speaking of the last leg, Royce Freeman is a guy that stocked down for me this week. He just looked so slow. And I don't know if that's because it was in counterpart to Philip Lindsay, but there's a couple plays where, you know, blocking looked good and he was going to get to the outside and there's a little bit of space. And then boom, a guy closed on him like almost instantly. I don't know if it's that injury for him. I don't know if he hit a rookie wall, but man, he just looked really slow. So yeah, he just looked so slow. Honestly, if he looks that slow again against the Bengals, give Devontae Booker a chance. Cause when Booker got a chance, you know, a couple weeks ago, he looked okay. I know. And, and he doesn't have to be great running back one, but if he can just provide a little bit between the tackles along with his pass catching and whatnot, and on fresh legs, which look incredible when they come in, I think that's something you got to consider because Royce Freeman looked incredibly slow. So those are my three. Well, I only had two. My, my first is Cortland Sutton. If you haven't been to Mile High Huddle, I just did a, a film piece on him. I think it's actually for free. It's not even one of our VIP articles. Uh, I, I broke down a little bit of his game and just some of his struggles that go beyond. Uh, I know he had a few drops in this past game, but his route running, it's just it's not even close to being there. The, there was one play I was telling you about where he was running a deep slant and he tried to cut off his inside foot. Now, anybody out there, I, I I don't know if I really want to encourage this because if somebody gets hurt, they're going to be like, hey, uh, you're, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> but, but the idea of trying to to cut inside when you're running full speed off your inside foot, it's not going to end well. If anything, I mean, the, the best case scenario is you kind of round out your route and, and there's not really much of a cut. That, that's the best case scenario. So that that was pretty consistent there was some comeback routes where it took him five steps to get turned back around you go watch manuel sanders and his route running that would be like one step for him so it just uh not not pretty but i mean he had plenty of times where he was actually open there was just other places that that case keenum went with the football so i'm not sitting here saying just because he had a really bad game and wasn't wasn't the playmaker the Broncos were hoping for that his season's completely lost or anything like that, or that his route running can improve as the season goes on. I mean, there, there's little things that he can be working on right now, which I'm sure he's doing. Um, but it just, it was, it was not, not a good game for him. He got called out by the coach a little bit. Maybe he's going to have a little bit of a bounce back, but my, my next guy, Isaac Yadam, I really think he was more lucky than good. He had one double move where he left his guy wide open. And the guy just, I mean, it was a little bit of an overthrow and it was dropped. James Washington, right? Yep. And that was, that was a bad throw by Ben, but also why did he dive? Just keep going. I know he kind of slowed down when the ball was up in the air. I watched that play a couple times. It's like he lost the football and kind of slowed down to track it. So I think that's more on Washington. It has been bit than big Ben. Yeah. But still that was very lucky that it wasn't a touchdown against the Adam there. And then there's another play where he was just pretty much mauling AB and the rest just didn't call it. I mean, and then sometimes that happens. He just, they don't get the call. And, but I would, if I was the ref, I would be throwing the flag on that one. So I feel again, like we're getting to the point. This is a sidebar, but I feel like we're getting to the point in football where refs not only need to be calling the penalties, but it's also about the, the flow of the game. And if they're calling a penalty on every, it was like that. I made me think about it. The Chiefs game too. Aaron Donald was getting held on literally every second or third play. 
But if they called every single one of those, that's going to be a six hour long game. Right. So maybe, you know, you do that classic Tom Izzo at Michigan state, you know, like they're not going to call a foul. If we, if we hit them every time they go to the paint. Right. So I don't know the game's kind of, it's kind of what the Seahawks did too. Right. Like that's, that was something that they always talked about. Something to think about. So anyway, but I, I agree with you on yet. I'm more lucky than good. That being said, I was excited to see him out there because I do think that he has a, a decent, decently bright future in Denver, but right. And that, and, and that Brock doesn't. And I will say other than the, the double move where he pretty much fell down, he was right there smothering a B every single time. Yeah. He just has to learn a little bit more of how to use his hands and how to turn around. Yeah. That's the other big thing that's always been his problem is he's not very good at, at locating the football when he's in man coverage. Yeah. 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 I, I think that I do like how he's so physical in the, the routes, but I feel like his footwork and his initial press still needs work because he does not have the elite athleticism to carry guys down the field. If he's not using that strength and that length. So that's just, that's just me. Anyway, uh, moving on here, since Carl only had two guys on the stock down, which, Hey, that means it was a Bronco victory, but forward pass versus loss of down for me forward progress versus loss of down forward pass would have been a good one too, man. What are you thinking, Carl? Forward <laughs> progress versus loss of down um, for me forward progress this week. Red zone defense. I mean, you got the the Steelers getting down the field multiple times and keeping them out of the end zone. Now, granted, a couple times, you know, maybe better to be lucky than good. Will Parks knocking that ball out at that point. How often does that happen? Better to be lucky than good. Shelby Harris getting an interception in the goal line. Better to be lucky than good. But you know what? I'll take it. This Ben don't break defense is killing it for him so far. It's working really well. And if you're giving up yards and they're not scoring touchdowns, you know what? Screw it. Yards don't score points. So I really am excited about the red zone defense. Hopefully they can keep it up. And it's, I mean, honestly, it's been a huge for them these last two weeks. And without it, they maybe don't win these games. Right. Well, and, and I, I want to add, I know some people, especially Steelers fans, have been going crazy this week that they handed the game to the Broncos. And I would say if you look at their points, 14 of their 17 points were on pretty fluky plays. You got a fake field goal. <laughs> And then you got a 97-yard bomb. So if we're going to look at anything, let's look at how lucky they were to get some of those things to, to go their way. That, that doesn't happen every game, obviously. When Juju Smith-Schuster is the first player to have two plays of 97 yards or more, that doesn't happen. But So I, I think it kind of goes both ways on some of that. Not, you're right. The, the red zone defense, they really clamp down once they get there. And... If anybody thinks about it, this is exactly what the the Patriots do a lot. All their their Super Bowl years, a lot of their defenses, it's been this bend, don't break. We're going to make you have to march the entire field and not make a mistake. And the, most teams, they're going to make a mistake at some point when they have that many plays. And it's just more, hey, we're going to make you have to beat us instead of, of uh, giving up the big play or something like that. But mine's going to be on the opposite side of that, the red zone offense. You and I were talking on the show, what, just a few weeks ago about how bad the red zone offense was? Yeah. And look at it now. It's not perfect, but it's it's much improved. Forward progress. Yeah. They they are making progress. We're not seeing Case Keenum throw every pass out of the back of the end zone. That's true. We're we're seeing him and again, this is where the play calling comes into play, where they're actually moving him out of the pocket, giving him that extra time, not making him have to try to see over that giant offensive line. And he's, he's just feeling much more comfortable making those kind of passes. So uh, this red zone offense, they've really figured something out. And 
They're turning instead of three points like they were earlier in the year, they're turning them into touchdowns. And look, we're getting victories. Yeah. I I agree with you. And I absolutely loved I know Case Keenum had two passing plays. Were they both in the red zone? Uh I, yes. Yes, they were. Okay. Yes, they were. Well, doing this on the fly. But anyway, um that rushing touchdown for Lindsay where they had that motion, I think is absolutely brilliant. Because Lindsay does, you know, he packs a punch for his weight, but He's still not a guy that's going to muscle in once he's pushed up against defensive linemen. You know, that's not really his game. And to use that motion in the backfield to just have those linebackers and secondary safety, you know, hesitate for just a second made made all the difference. And that was that was some good play calling on the, the goal line. And they've shown that motion enough times that teams have to respect it. So good job setting it up. And that, that's what uh, scheming and play calling is all about. Boom. All right, well, loss of down. Uh, not going to spend too much time on this because we already talked about it, but, man, the deep safety play for this team is not great. Darian Stewart is a shell of himself, and this is not a great draft for free safety play. And the Broncos, you know, when they had the great 2015 defense that did a lot of stuff with, like, pressures and playing that press man, well, you know what? It's, you can't really do that if you have a free safety that can't play that cover one. And right now they, they don't, I mean, Justin Simmons, he doesn't use his feet the best back there. Always. I, I would like to give him another chance there, but still, I think they like him more as a, a matchup safety that can play that cover two, but also come down into the box and match up. That's just how they've been using him. And uh, Will Parks, I've seen him play some free safety, but again, he's more of a nickelback dimebacker, strong safety type. So deep safety play, it's a big need for the Broncos. And this is not a good draft for it. Unfortunately, last year was, I mean, you have freaking. Justin Reed killing it for the Texans and Jesse Bates, the second killing it for the Bengals who we'll see this week. Definitely a guy to look out for. We'll talk about him here, but yeah, the deep safety play is not good and it's something that I don't see being fixed this season. I mean, it's they, they need a new player back there that can fill that role. Well, mine is tight end depth. I mean, it's just pretty obvious when you've lost essentially, they've lost three tight ends this year. Yeah. I know Fumagalli was before mm-hmm. the season started, but still, that, that's three guys that have been known as playmakers that were kind of expected to be difference makers for the Broncos this season. And so now we're left with guys like Lacoste and Hemingway. I mean, we have a poet getting ready to be on the field. And so it, it just, it, it's just frustrating, I guess. And it, I think tight ends going to be a bigger need than people are wanting to give it credit for. Cause I know there's still a lot of Jake, Butt fans out there and I'm not saying that he can't be a great tight end still. But this was his third ACL injury, is that right? Yeah, Jake. But I now it sucks that the third ACL injury it is his third one. But you would be foolish to count on him as anything. You know, he he's this, at this point it's a lottery ticket if he's even going to perform again for the Broncos. So yeah, tight end is a need. And you know, moving right into this, the injury updates: Hireman's done for the year, and he's set to be a free agent. So that's unfortunate. A couple broken ribs and a bruised lung. So yikes. And then Shaq Barrett out for two to four weeks with a hip flexor. And I mean, that might be his career in Denver as well. Who knows? I mean, that's, that's definitely a possibility. So really sucks for them, especially, uh, especially for Hireman because the Broncos need really need that tight end and they don't have anybody that can block like him. And he was starting to really kind of come into his own there and doing, doing well. So I'm going to kind of spin this on you for a second. Um, what kind of contract are you looking to give Hireman? Are you giving him a contract a, and if so, what kind of contract? I'm probably giving him like a two year eight million dollar deal he knows the offense he knows the players he really was really starting to come on to his own looking like a guy that is more comfortable being in the nfl i guess it would depend a little bit on how he heals from these injuries but also i mean it just the broncos don't have much money or anything really invested in the tight end position right now 
And I just don't see any free agents that I'm sitting here saying, oh, my goodness, go get that guy too much. And I think you could get Hireman and then you can get a, a guy in the draft in maybe second, third round because this is actually turning out to be a pretty good tight end draft. And then Broncos can have some some options there because they really do well running out of that two tight end set. 21 personnel. You know, it's not dead yet, guys. It is not. And like I said, the Broncos do really, really well out of it. Keenan so, does well out of it, I think, is the big thing. Okay, maybe that's that's a good point. But it's just something that right now the Broncos really emphasize it when they can, but I don't know how much they can emphasize it for the rest of the year. Uh, so I'd rather not lose Hireman. Yeah. It's just it's a tricky thing because he's just now performing. Yay, contract year. And he's got a pretty – I mean, he's had a lot of injuries. So I can see that two-year maybe – what did you say, $8 million or $10 million? I said $8 million. I, yeah. I would make the first year guaranteed and then pretty much make it an option year for the second year. Yeah. I could see him wanting more years, but I agree with you. That seems – you know, that's about – that's about right. That probably puts him about the, the Austin Safarian Jenkins range, the Ed Dickinson. I'm looking at some guys right now. Well, I paid a little bit more than or about Virgil green. So yeah, I can see that. That's not, that's not a bad one. Yeah. So yeah, I'm hoping they do bring him back. I would like check Barrett back, but I'm making amends that that's probably not going to happen just because I can't imagine them paying him something. He definitely deserves uh, when they're already paying Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. So now I got a question for you. Uh Oh, Okay. With Jack Bear with five weeks left and this possibly being a four week injury, would you IR him and bring in Jeff Holland? I probably wouldn't do it this week. Uh, but just, you know, following his progress, you don't have to do it this week. But it's definitely something I would consider if, you know, it looks like, oh, it's definitely going to be that four weeks instead of two weeks. You know, that we should know more in a week or two weeks from now if that's going to be the case. But I, I don't think I'd do it right now. Okay. That's just my <laughs> thought. Well, talking about injuries isn't very fun, but you know what is fun? watching football, but it's even more entertaining when you can have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard me talking about it for weeks now, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you got to be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little, but win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you can turn $100 into $600 cash. There's so much to bet on. Hockey, basketball, primetime fights, Esports and you know, we got the NCAA college football conference championships this weekend. I mean, bowl games are right around the corner. There's so much to bet on, but my bookie is one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. My bookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use, which is big for me. If you're on the sidelines, now is the time to get in the game. My bookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar, but you got to join now because they're going to be pulling that offer very soon. Log on to my bookie right now and double your money. Use promo code Broncos 100 and you'll get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code Broncos 100. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, Carl. Well, this is probably going to be the, the first week in a while where we won't be looking at a roster and salivating over people, you know, <laughs> going against the, the Chiefs. And, you know, they got obviously offensive weapons all over the board and the Texans, you know, crazy good. You know, they obviously talking about Hopkins and the pass rush, which we saw on Monday night, which was just incredible. And what happened to that Titans offensive line? Yikes. And then you got the Chargers, a team that we were talking about as you know, definitely Super Bowl contenders. And I mean, look what they did last week. I think Phillip Rivers, how did he not have a perfect quarterback rating? Three I touchdowns no and clue. one incompletion? I have no clue. I don't know how they do all that stuff. It seems throw it out the window. That's yeah. what I say at this point. And then, you know, the 
the Steelers last week, all great teams. Well, the Bengals are a team that are trending the other way very fast. And you know what? You might as well just pack in the season. Not that Andy Dalton's a great quarterback, although I feel like he is. He's pooped on a little bit more than he should. I think he's a better talented player than Case Keenum is. You can win with him, but again, he's not a guy you're winning because of. But Andy Dalton out for the season with a thumb injury. And this is a Bengals team that is going down the drain fast. It's it's one of those teams. I mean, they started out the season so well. Yeah. You kind of thought, oh man, this could be a, a, a tough team to match up with because they do have some some decent names on both sides of the ball. But injuries and just they're the Bengals. I mean, how much do you really ch- trust Marvin Lewis to go out there and and win when they absolutely need to, to to be that coach that that just takes him over the top? I mean, I know Bronco fans are are down on Vance Joseph, but <laughs> honestly, right now, I think I'd rather have Vance Joseph than Marvin Lewis because it looks like he's lost this team. Hey, man, they brought in Hugh Jackson. Oh man, they're gonna be fine. Like he's the goat. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh oh boy. <clears throat> there there's some talk that Hugh Jackson will be their next head coach. Yeah. Good I'm luck. sure all Brown fans will rejoice. Baker Mayfield too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, I mean it just it, like I said, it's a roster that has some talent, but they're just missing enough pieces that it's just easy to see why they're struggling. Yeah. They they just they're they're not there. And I'm not saying that the Broncos are going to absolutely win this game or destroy them or anything like that, but because, I mean, it is a home game for them, and they still, like I said, they have talent. Joe Mixon at running back. He's a pretty dynamic guy. He can make people miss. He can take over a game. AJ Green. He will hit you in the mouth. Yep. Sorry, that's probably a bad bad joke. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's very talented. He he honestly could have been the first running back taken in that draft. He showed that much talent, but the off-field issue – where he I mean, he de- definitely got in an altercation with that female's right. boyfriend. Or, I don't know the specifics. All I know is enough that made me not want to take him. So, but yeah, just he is extremely talented. Right, and I do know the Broncos were wanting him. Yeah, yeah, they were ta- they, definitely talking about him. They were they were definitely trying to trade up for him. So, uh, but then you have AJ Green, top ten wide receiver in the NFL, but he's been hurt. I'm I'm hearing that he's probably going to play this week. Yep, that's the talk. But, but we'll kind of see John Ross. I don't know what he is. <laughs> He's fast. Yeah, there you go. That, that's the best thing to say about him. Tyler Boyd, maybe one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL right now. Dude, I, I Tyler Boyd gives me PTSD because when he was at Pitt, Iowa had a home and away series with Pitt, and Tyler Boyd just beat the poop out of them. Like, throw it to Tyler Boyd and hand it off to James Conner. Looking back, that was a pretty good duo, but mm-hmm. that's a, <laughs> they were Iowa beat them both times, but... Yeah, I have to throw that out there. But yeah, Tyler Boyd, I'm really glad that he's coming into his own because I was a big fan of him coming into the draft. I didn't think he had top end speed, but I thought he had the body control and fluidity that he could create separation and good good hands as well. And that's that's turning out to be the case. He coming in, a lot of people were calling him a bust, but he's honestly been their best wide receiver this year. Granted, Green's missed some plays, but Tyler Boyd's pretty good. Yep, he is. And then offensive line-wise, they have some okay players. Injured. But again, some injuries. Cordy Glenn, I don't know if he's going to play. Back injury. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We'll kind of see. But, uh, I mean, they got Billy Price. He was a guy that we were decently high on for the draft. And then yeah. Alex Redman, that guy. Oh, my goodness, he's bad. Yeah, not good. And Hart's been okay there at right tackle, but not great. And last week they had Jake Fisher come in to play for 
Cordy Glenn and Jake Fisher is actually playing pretty good. And a guy we had on here last week, Brandon Thorne was doing some highlights of uh, how good Jake Fisher was looking at left tackle uh, position that probably he should have been playing all along, but they could try to move my right tackle and garden, et cetera. But he was playing great and then he got hurt. So now they're up to their super bust first round pick. Not as bad as Jermaine Afidi, but Cedric Ogobui, the first round pick, the Bronco, a guy that Broncos were heavily linked to in that draft where they took Shane Ray, but Cedric Ogobui, and he might be the left tackle and he has been nothing but hot trash for the Cincinnati Bengals. So yeah, this is not a great offensive line. They got, they got weapons. The tight ends are not great. They're actually the, the a team that kind of really reflects the Broncos because they would love to use more tight ends, but their number one tight end is injured. I think he's out for the season. And um, obviously the very, very talented, but always injured Tyler Eifert. And then they also lost Tyler Croft. So both done for the season. So now they are up to their third and fourth string tight end. So same as us, they got CJ Uzma and Jordan Franks. So I've heard of Uzma before Jordan Franks. I have, no idea. Sorry, guys. I don't either. <laughs> They're another team that's very injured at tight end. Okay, but well that brings us to our, our final position here on the offense, Jeff Driscoll. Mm. He is the big-time wild card in this game. Has he to be. ran a 4-5-6 at the, at the combine. Is that right? Yeah, he is. I mean, there was a reason that the people at Florida called him White Might Vic. He can run. And honestly, when he came to that game against Cleveland, now given – Cleveland was up so big that they were playing a lot of prevent, keep everything in front of them kind of defense, but he didn't look terrible for that half. No, he's, he's got a good arm. He's a good athlete. He's got good size, but it's always been the question of typically for these kind of guys. Is it, is he accurate enough? And does he have it between the ears? You know, he was, I believe he was the number one overall quarterback recruit in the entire nation when he was recruited by Florida and he just never, took that step that you need mentally to be a quarterback. You know, he always just an athlete with an arm. So he ended up transferring to Louisiana tech, which I remember watching him there and thinking that he had a, you know, the tools and stuff where that was the same draft as the Paxton Lynch. And I didn't really want to have a first round quarterback. If it wasn't Carson Wentz looking back, I should have been higher on golf as well. But you know, I thought Jeff Driscoll take the shot on this guy late. And I thought he'd have a chance. The 49ers took him in the, the last pick, the last non conditional pick in the sixth round and he's kind of bounced around since then but yeah he's got tools and you got to watch out for him because he can throw the ball deep and he can get it out on the edges and he can run it so he's he's gonna be very interesting and i'm excited to get to the the coach's corner spot here where i can talk about how i I would like to attack him as the broncos defensive coordinator with how the broncos are playing Uh, i always dislike these games where you have a a new quarterback come in that there's not a whole lot of film on because it just, it makes it hard to, to game plan for at least with Andy Dalton, you knew exactly what they were going to try to do with them. So I'm guessing they're going to have a few mixed in wrinkles with Driscoll this week to try to catch the Broncos off guard. But uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, like I said, Cleveland played so much prevent defense when he was in there. It's really hard to diagnose how good of a half it was for him because he kept hitting all these underneath throws. I mean, over and over and over again, all these five, six yarders. And it just was come up tackle. I mean, that, that was pretty much their game plan. Just slow him down, wait out the clock. And so it'd be interesting to see how the Broncos decide to get a little more aggressive or what they're going to plan to do here. But switching over here to the defense. Now here's where they got some big names. Of course, you got Geno Atkins, one of the best interior defensive linemen in all of football. 
Now, he hasn't really put up the best numbers over the last five, six weeks. Do you think the Atkins has actually regressed? Or is that just because they've been playing from behind? They haven't really had a chance to unleash him, especially in the passing game. I believe that's it. And I also believe that losing Carl Lawson, that edge presence, has really just hampered them. Because if we talk about pass rushes, synergistic from the inside out or outside in, you know, either way, they kind of feeds into each other. He's, I mean, I watched a couple of Bengals game. He still got crazy burst and he gets into the backfield pretty regularly. So I wouldn't call him, you know, he's not better than Fletcher Cox, obviously not better than Aaron Donald, but he's still one of the best defensive tackle pass rushers in the game. I, I venture to agree with you on that. And then the guy next to him, Andrew Billings, the, the short, fat guy from, <laughs> from Texas. Is that right? Uh, Andrew Billings. I think he went to Baylor. Baylor, Baylor. I knew he was a Texas school. He. Some people thought he was like a second round pick, and then he fell due to long term injury concerns, from what I remember. Yep. And he, he's pretty pretty good, especially against the run. But then Carlos Dunlap, Michael Johnson on the outside, and then backup Sam Hubbard and Jordan Willis. So they they have some pretty good depth there, and that that front four, I would say. Yeah, the, the, I mean, that's how this team has been built. They use a lot of picks on the defensive line in the secondary. And I think Carlos Dunlap's probably been one of the more underrated defensive linemen. I mean, he is a classic 4-3 defensive end. You know, he's an absolute tank. I think he's like also 6-8, speaking of Jared Valdir being 6-8. But he's he has seven sacks in this season, and he's really good against the run as well. Very long, can edge protect and get after the quarterback with a – bevy of moves so i really like carlos dunlap andrew billings he's okay Geno atkins obviously great it's his depth at the defensive line that i would be worried about you know michael johnson an older guy he's definitely one they probably should start thinking about moving on from jordan willis hasn't shown anything since they he killed the combine but i he did not look like that it was one of those guys that killed the combine and the tape didn't match it and right. i think they took him in the third round still and he just hasn't Hasn't done very much there. And then both of their backup defensive tackles and Josh Tuopu, who is a Colorado guy as well, and Adolphus Washington are on injured reserve. So this is a defensive line that does not have great depth. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. The the edge, they have a little bit. Yeah. yeah, Carlos Lawson's gone, though. It sucks. I mean, it sucks for them, not for us. (laughs) (laughs) And then another position that they've been really struggling with some injuries is that those off-ball linebackers. They're Nick bad. Eagle's been injured, and Hardy Nickerson is not great. Vontaze mm-hmm. Perfect has been... He looks old. Yeah. He looks really old. It's crazy. I mean, guys play that violently and whatnot. You hit a wall eventually, and, you know, talking about Darian Stewart, you know, hitting that wall and looking like a shell of himself. Vontaze Perfect looks not even close to the same player. So, that guy's seen some Bengals draft people. They're, they're doing fun for fun mock drafts with, like, literally every single pick is the linebacker. Yep. That's how not happy they are with a linebacking core there. Yeah, that, that gives you a little hint of how to attack this team when we're talking about the coach's corner. Yeah. But they yeah, they've been terrible. And then you get to the secondary, and they have some some decent pieces. You talked about Jesse Bates a little bit earlier being that free safety rookie that's been playing really well. William Jackson, he's kind of had a little bit of he started out pretty bad, but he's been playing a little bit better lately. Oh, Drake dude, Kirk- I love William Jackson. Yeah. William Jackson, the third, I believe technically from Houston, but I think he missed his rookie season with an injury, but goodness, I think he's, I would argue he's maybe the most underrated cornerback in the league. I would avoid him at all costs if I could. Yep. I, I can't disagree with that. And then Drake Kirkpatrick, he's been hurt a little bit, so we'll see if he plays this week. And of course, Darquez Denard as hey. well. He, he's been, he's been okay. I, I wouldn't yeah. say he's a complete bust, but he's not, not, he's a bust. 
He's a first round pick. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He was taken I, before Bradley Roby and we shit on Roby. Oh, excuse me. We talk bad about Roby sometimes because of his inconsistency, but at least he has flashes. Like Denard has been a major disappointment. So I would say he's a bust. Okay. Okay. But, uh, I wouldn't go quite that far. I think he's had some decent games here and there. But uh, no, I mean, this is a decent secondary that that has shut down some teams. And, and maybe it's not that they've shut them down. It's just other teams are going, man, why we? Why would you attack William Jackson when you can attack Hardy Nickerson? Yeah. I mean, that that's just as easy as it gets. <laughs> they, they love to play man coverage. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get a lot of those one-on-one matchups. And can you imagine Hardy Nickerson going against are Philip Lindsay. That would assume we're using him in the pass game. That's true. And and I'm I'm going to get into that a little bit of how you would attack this this defense and I'm hoping the Broncos are watching because I, I just got done watching the the Saints Bengals game. Oh my gosh, the Saints just abused those linebackers. Like I I mean it, I felt bad for them halfway through the game. They yeah. they just kept going to Alvin Kamara over and over and over again in the pass game. It just was so simple. <laughs> But brilliant. I mean, that's what good teams yeah. do. Well, yeah, exactly. You scheme to to get those guys open. And there's a couple other things that they did. I, I don't want to get into that quite yet. But but yeah, yeah it's uh, it's this is an average team, I'd say. They're not worse than the NFL, but roster-wise, there's just so many pieces that you're just like, oh, man, that's a big piece to be missing. I would say they're bottom 10 in the NFL, given their injuries at tackle and quarterback now. Like through the last part of the year, that I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up with a top ten pick. They got some pieces on defense. They got wide receivers and a good running back, but they're just missing too many too many good players at too many key positions. That's my take, at least. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see other players. Yeah, like when the Browns are up thirty-five to seven in the second quarter or something, you've you've gone the wrong way. <laughs> but now we should get into the offensive uh, the statistics here. You know, glossing over them, and this, the stats say the the Bengals are not a very good team either. Total offense yards per game, they're twenty sixth in the league at thirty three point two yards per game. Passing is seventeenth, although that'll change with Driscoll at twenty three point or twenty two hundred thirty nine point six uh, yards per attempt at seven point zero, which is surprising because they got some down the field weapons. Uh, but then the rushing yards per game, it's surprising again, but the offensive line is not good. They're 28 to 93.5 yards per game. Yards per attempt, though, is much better at 4.7. So got to watch out for that. And the points per game, 12th, not, so not the worst, 25, 25.1. And they're at plus one in turnover differential. But they have given up 24 or 22 sacks, which is 24th in the league. So the offense, pretty much the offensive line is not great. They have weapons on the outside. And Dalton was doing a good job dispersing it to those weapons. But now that he's gone, I expect more mixing. And I have mixing in two of my more important fantasy leagues. So I'm okay with that. But the passing game, I expect him to get even worse. So we'll flip that around on defense. Statistically, they're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Granted, they got slacked by the Saints. And that's definitely going to change this a little bit. But they're the worst defense in the NFL. And total yards given up. They're actually, they've given up 480. 4,836 yards, which is 32nd. And they're like almost 300 yards worse than the 31st team, which is Cleveland. So that's, I mean, significant uh, degrees of freedom worse than the team that's second worst. Same with yards per game, 439.6. They're the 31st in passing yards allowed per game, 292. And then 31st also in rush yards allowed per game at 147. Their third down defense is worse than the NFL at 55.13%. And their interceptions and fu- interceptions are tied six with 11. And their fumbles are three, tied 23rd. So really their defense has just been getting 
pooped on all season and playing the Steelers twice and the, you know, the Saints, that definitely hurts them, but not a very good defense. DVOA is a little bit more forgiving to them. They have them as the overall the 19th best team in the league, 16th best offense, uh, 17th best pass offense, 14th best run offense and defense. Again, not great. Not the worst, but not great. 28th worst defense, the 26th worst pass defense and the 26th worst run defense special teams is right around the middle of the pack so yeah not a very good team broncos still gonna need to show up i'd say they're better than the jets and we saw what happened there but still the broncos should this isn't a game where they should be like having no hope especially come off the steelers and the the chargers wins this is a game that there's a reason vegas has them favored by four and a half points on the road Uh, i guess that's as far as you need to say definitely well some unique stats that uh, we always love to include these just to kind of show some maybe areas that the Broncos could target. But the Bengals, this last game, the outside corners, William Jackson and Darkwes Denard, only gave up 27 yards in coverage. Now you'd think, oh man, that must have been pretty good. Well, the reason that they only gave up that much is because the linebackers allowed 135 yards and two touchdowns through the air. The Bengals linebackers have allowed the most yards and first downs this season. They're close to giving up 1,400 yards. Just the linebackers alone. So you you talk about that they were worse in the NFL and and yards allowed per game. <clears throat> Those linebackers are pretty much the main reason that that is happening right now. And then when we get on defense, when we get into third down situations, here's something to keep in mind: Tyler Boyd is third in the NFL on percentage of targets seen on third and fourth down this season. So mm. now part of that is uh, Green has been injured, so you got to kind of keep that in mind. But it's still, this is a guy that the quarterbacks have trusted, especially in those big situations. And then finally, the Bengals guard, Alex Redmond, has allowed the most pressures at his position this year with 36. He's allowing pressure on around 8.8% of pass plays. So that would be Derek Wolf's spot. That's who's going to be going up against this guy. And so it wouldn't shock me to see Derek Wolf maybe have that maybe two-sack kind of game, really getting in pressure up the middle. Yeah, that that would be that would be good. It'd be good to get some interior pass rusher. Maybe you know, get Shelby Harris on there as much as he can because he's the best interior pass rusher they have as far as knifing in there. But moving on now, key matchups. We're getting a little bit long here, but number one for me, Broncos corners versus the Bengals wide receivers. Jeff Driscoll, obviously a guy that you know, kind of a high variance with what we're going to get as a passer. He's not going to be as good as Andy Dalton there, but Bengals have talent at wide receiver. AJ Green's going to be back. How limited is he going to be? What percentage is he playing at? Don't know until we see him out there, but very talented, top 10 level wide receiver. John Ross, while he definitely shouldn't have been taken nine overall, he has incredible speed. I mean, watching it, there's a couple plays against the Browns where he just pulls away so easily against that cornerback. So, And we know how Bradley Roby likes to give up big plays, so I'm definitely a little bit concerned about that matchup. And then Tyler Boyd, proficient route runner over the middle, can play slot, can go deep, but much better over the middle and in the shorter routes and can get separation in that regard. So very, very interesting matchup, and I'm curious to see how the Broncos will line up the cornerbacks against these three. Uh, if Brock is back, he probably... Gosh, I really don't. <laughs> you probably got to put Chris Harris Jr. on AJ Green. Although I could see Roby, they'll probably switch. They probably won't do one for one. But yeah, I, re- I really don't know. Carl, what would you do? What cornerbacks would you put on which receivers? I would put, I'd put Chris Harris probably on either AJ Green or Tyler Boyd. I would put, uh, oh man, who do you put on John Ross? There's just not a cornerback that I'm looking at on our roster. I mean, Roby's about the only one that can halfway keep up with him. 
But but yeah, he's the guy that gives up the big plays. So do you really want to have that? Just put Yadam on him and just have Yadam assault him at the snap. There you go. You know, like literally tackle him. <laughs> and, and maybe that would be the best. Have safety over the top. Help him out. <laughs> it's, it's hard. I mean, it's not. we don't have a cornerback that matches up for every single type of guy they have. Just right. speaks to the Broncos' lack of cornerback depth right now. But you got to watch out for these wide receivers. I think probably the best method if you're limiting them is getting after the quarterback. But moving on here, the Broncos pass rushers versus the Bengals offensive line. Obviously a key matchup. This Bengals offensive line is not great. We talked about it. And these edge rushers should have a field day. You know, they pretty much were shut out last week. Von Miller got a half a sack. We didn't hear Bradley Nate, Bradley Chubb's name called, but going against Cedric Ogabui and Hart, Bobby Hart, just Broncos should be able to get pressure on Driscoll. I think they do need to play. We'll get to this a little bit later, but they do need to be a little bit weary of his legs because he does have great speed. But this is a matchup where the Broncos defensive line should be very excited about coming against after going against the Steelers offensive line, which honestly, granted, was a quick pass game. But honestly, the Steelers offensive line, for the most part, nullified the Broncos strength of the defensive line last week. I, yeah, I can't disagree there. This is about opposite end of that for sure. Yeah, of, of level of, of competition. So I it, like you said, it will be interesting to see how they're going to have to match up against Driscoll. I, I think there will be a lot more. And maybe I should save this for you, but maybe a little bit more zone coverage just hey. to kind of keep some eyes on that quarterback and and make him have to really be a rhythm thrower. But have pinpoint accuracy. Yep. So I, I don't know, maybe when you I'm sure you'll talk about that here in just a little bit. But then we'll get into our number three key matchup Broncos front seven versus Joe Mixon. Again, this is a huge playmaker. He is a very, very talented running back. Unfortunately, gets stuck behind a terrible offensive line. Otherwise, he'd be much better. But he still, he makes a lot of people miss. And he can make a miss with a little bit of little bit of hip shimmy. But he can also run people over. Um, so it's just kind of a, he's got 673 yards this season for 4.7 yards per carry. Not great, but not terrible considering the offensive line, of course. But especially these last few weeks, if you look, 93 yards against the Dolphins, 84 against the the Ravens, 95 this last week against Indianapolis. So it's kind of a – oh, sorry, that was beginning of the season. It's all good. But, uh, no, I mean, he, he has some moments where he can be really, really, really big. And I'm sure, like you said, because they have Driscoll, they're going to be handing it off to Mixon a lot. Yep, I that's – that's the big thing. You got to be able to stop mixing and with how the Broncos have been doing against running backs. I think they're up to the task, but I think you stop mixing, you stop the Bengals. Uh, but moving on here, we guys, you know, getting along like we always do Broncos front seven versus Joe Mixon, you know, going right into it. Mixon hasn't been having the best games, but I feel like he's going to be the focal point of this offense going forward. He has to be, if they're going to move the ball. And I, I feel like, you know, just like we're seeing with Lamar Jackson, in Baltimore, all of a sudden, Gus Edwards is a really good fantasy running back. It's because of that threat of that running quarterback. Driscoll's not Lamar Jackson, obviously, but I think that's going to help um, create some lanes. You know, the the zone reads, potentially RPOs, that's going to open up some rush lanes. So Mixon's going to be big for this Broncos front seven, and hopefully Todd Davis is up to the task. I'm not really worried about between the tackles running. I think the Broncos can get it there. But it's when they get to those edges, specifically against 11 personnel, when the Broncos are in some sort of sub package. That's where they have, were killed against the Jets, killed against the Rams. So, going to have to watch for that. And then the Broncos offensive line versus the Bengals front seven. Broncos offensive line has been playing pretty darn well. I'm not going to say great. You know, the 
the Steelers were able to get some interior pressure last week. Javon Hargrave, I talked about Casey Hayward, but this is a solid Bengals defensive line. It's not elite by any means, but they got pieces. Carlos Dunlap against Garrett Bowles is going to be a fun matchup that I'm really interested in watching consistently, as well as watching to see how this interior trio handles Geno Atkins because, you know, they, they got pushed around a little bit by Hargrave last week, Casey Hayward. They did a good job against Tewitt, but still, it's it's a solid defensive line, probably probably the healthiest of this team, maybe. <laughs> so it's uh, they're going to have to keep it up again for another week. And then finally, the last one we want to talk about here, Broncos run game and tight ends versus the putrid linebackers of the, the Bengals. I'm not going to get too much into this, but that's definitely a key matchup. And the Broncos are going to have to run the ball consistently, maybe even more so than they have before, you know, going on the road, traveling and whatnot. And there might be some snow in the weather, you know, not some not the best weather for passing the football. So take advantage of those linebackers that the, the Bengals have because they are not good. Now we're just about to get out of here, but before we do, let us tell you about why you need to become Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber. Mile High Huddle's approach to covering the Broncos isn't just about reporting the news, although we do pride ourselves in being able to relay you all of the breaking news on the Broncos as it's happening in real time. But what we like to focus on is breaking down the Broncos from an in-depth perspective, from all 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dive on player evaluation, the draft coming up, and analysis uh, just all around about the Broncos, 365 days of the year. We save our best coverage for the VIP subscribers. To become a Mile High Huddle VIP and get access to 100% of our written analysis and the VIP Insider Forums, just click on the green banner at the top of the website. Click the monthly or annual option and you'll be locked in. From there, you get access to everything we produce, which includes any insider information we pick up along the way. We work hard to bring you the best Broncos coverage and analysis on the web. We ask you for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber. Pull the trigger and you have my word, you won't be disappointed. All right, Carl, we are getting long, unfortunately. What's new? But we got to do this coaching corner still. So you have the Broncos O versus the Bengals D, and I'll let you get right into it. All right. Well, this this is pretty simple. One, I'm going to pound the rock. Uh, I'm going to be giving the ball to Lindsey, to, to Freeman. Hopefully, if he's healthy, if not, get yourself some uh, somebody else in there. But uh, uh, otherwise, also, I'm sitting there targeting them in the in the pass game. I mean, I'm doing some screen passes. I'm targeting them over the middle. I'm getting Lacoste involved in the pass game. I think he could have a really big game. If you're really struggling to find a tight end this week for fantasy football, Lacoste could have that sneaky touchdown in the red zone because people are paying attention to other people. In his Lacoste's touchdown, if you watch, Philip Lindsay is taking coverage away from him. The teams are so afraid of, of Lindsay that they leave Lacoste completely alone. So that, that might be a, if you absolutely need an emergency tight end, that's your guy. And then <clears throat> Denard is probably the, the wide receiver that I'm targeting corner. But another thing that I'm doing in this game, Emmanuel Sanders in the slot. I, like I said earlier, I watched the, the saints versus Bengals game and they love to Michael Thomas. They love to put him in the slot. And there were so many times that the Bengals, I don't know why they would do this, but they would put a, a linebacker on Michael Thomas, one of the best receivers in football, and you have a linebacker covering him. I know there's some Bronco fans that got mad a couple weeks ago. I'm trying to remember who uh, was it. Well, I guess maybe it was last week. AJ Brown or uh, and Antonio Brown, I think, had one play where he was matched up against Bradley Chubb. I, I don't understand why they would do that. But again, sometimes you can find those kind of matchups with the offense. If you move Sanders into the slot and him against the linebacker, it's game over. I mean, that's exactly where you put the football. They play man coverage. So again, I, I'm I'm doing some things that really make sure to take advantage of some of that. I'm doing some delayed handoffs because then you have the cornerbacks and safeties maybe turning their back to 
to the run game. And so then once they make it through that first level, especially with Philip Lindsay, he could be gone for a touchdown. So th- those are some of the, the main things that I'm looking for for the Broncos, really attacking the middle of the field and making the Bengals have to commit a lot of guys to that. And then maybe you can find yourself some nice one-on-one matchups for a deep shot every once in a while, Cortland Sutton. Maybe this is where he gets that opportunity because the last two weeks, teams have played a ton of zone coverage against the Broncos. And they've really worked to make sure that they take away Cortland Sutton's deep ball ability. This might be the week where they're playing against a team that that challenges and, and gives the Broncos some shots at that. Yeah, I would love to see Cortland Sutton get involved in this game more and more. So good job uh, for me on the Broncos defense against the Bengals offense. Number one, it starts with containing Driscoll. You know, like I said, we're not playing Lamar Jackson. That's not the concern here. But honestly, if you take away his legs and just make him stay as a pocket passer, you know, kind of like the Broncos did against Russell Wilson week one, but obviously without the arm talent, I think that's the way to make this offense very one dimensional and really make him struggle. So don't let him get outside the pocket, make him play within that within that zone, make him hop around there. And I don't think he's got the patience to do it. I'd have more zone and off coverage because Driscoll has been better against man. He doesn't really have pinpoint accuracy and I'd make him be accurate over the middle in the zones. And again, you got eyes on the quarterback, got a chance for turnovers and also you, then you can go rally to the ball sooner. So definitely something I'm into. I, I would be doing more zone this week. And then I would also have the linebackers selling out more on the run game. Mixon is not very, or not Mixon. Driscoll's not very deep as a deep ball passer as well. And I feel like Mixon is going to be the, like I said, the key to the game for the Bengals if they're going to win this offensively. So you got to go out there and stop Mixon. So I'm, I'm going to be crashing hard on any sort of Mixon chances possibly. And I understand that, you know, with play action, that can be an issue. You got to still stay disciplined, but I'm, I would be selling out to stop Mixon as well. And also you got to watch out for him in the screen game because he is a very good receiver as well. Uh, the safety, I would have focus on the wide receivers, you know, got to stay back there. So linebackers, more running back safeties, more wide receivers, and they have a talented bevy of wide receivers, three of them. So you got to watch out for that. That can't let Ross beat you deep. One big play. I know because Juju Smith-Schuster's 97-yard touchdown last week didn't kill the Broncos, but man, if you're playing, then don't break. You can't break. So Ross is the guy that's the one that would have that chance to do that. And if he has an 80-yard touchdown, their chances of winning this game go up dramatically, I would imagine. And then finally, I would confuse Driscoll with uh, different type of pressure packages and coverages. Maybe do half-field man, half-field zone. He's He's not a... A total idiot, idiot at quarterback, but he's not Andy Dalton back there either. He's a, there's a reason he was an undrafted, or not the reason he was on the free agent market for them to sign. So I would not be, I would not be given him basic coverages. I try to confuse him a little bit and win up front with four guys if you can. But then in third down, maybe get a little bit creative with some of those pressure packages just to make him make him panic a little bit. So all right, last bit here, prediction time. Carl, I think you went first last week. I'll go I'll go first this week. And I see you put in there, I just cursed us. But I have the Broncos winning this game 31 to 23, covering the spread and let the good times roll. Three wins in a row. So sorry about that, listeners. If they lose, you can blame me. But I, I gotta go with my gut and I have the Broncos winning this game. Yeah, Bronco fans, if you need his cell phone number to call him middle of the night to let him know if we lose, how mad you are, I, just just message me. Give him Cam's phone number. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> He's going to listen and message us. <laughs> but no, I, I that, that's a good score. I went with Broncos 27, Bengals 17. Mm. I just, uh, I really like this defense, especially going against a backup quarterback. I, I just, I think the Broncos can really contain them and then just really pound the rock like crazy and get up to a, a decent lead and just kind of cruise to victory here a little bit. I hope man, I, I say that, that and then we're nice. going to, oh man, man, we really did just curse this team. 
Yeah, cruise to an easy victory. Hello, Jets. <laughs> I, I feel like that'll be a lesson for them, though, as well. Yeah. I think they'll, they'll definitely remember that Jets game, personally. Now, that's that's what I would be. I'd be showing them, hey, remember the last time we went out east? That didn't go so well. So we will see. But that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Building the Broncos. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle, a new affiliate of 24-7 and CBS Sports Digital, to find ours and our co-writers' articles and all things pertaining to your Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. We aren't just here to bring you the news, but an in-depth analysis each week from team building, game planning, and 365 days of covering the Denver Broncos. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. As well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with fellow Bronco fans. For Carl Dumber, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next week. Go Broncos! You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.